It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Next Movement Church, and may the blessings of the Lord be upon you this beautiful Sunday morning in the month of June. Uh, we are glad that you chose to fellowship with us here again this morning in the virtual house of the Lord. And here at Next Movement Church, we are here to encourage every believer to use the tools, the resources, and abilities God has given us to deepen our relationship with Him and with those around us. So we hope that by the end of our time together, that you will know this was a divine appointment in learning and spiritual growth. I'm your host and your guide. Georgia Harris, and we have the one and only Michael Harris with us in the house. Michael Harris. Yep, I'm here, ready. Got the notes out, got the pen ready. Got the pen ready, ready to Hello, roll. Everybody. Ready for notes, ready to take some notes. All right, and so here we are. We're looking forward to going on today's journey with you, and it has definitely been an interesting one. And so we believe it's never too late to make a commitment to learn something new because Bible study could take place where church. Anywhere. Amen. Anywhere. And if you are here, we get ready for a drum roll, please. Intriguing, thought-provoking, head-scratching, heart-racing, page-turning, brain-bubbling, faith-building, Bible study. And if you are here, we say welcome. And if you have not been here for a while, we say welcome back. Now, we are consolidating. I call it the consolidation because we are taking all that we understand about spiritual beings and human beings and we are putting them into one topic. And this topic is where we understand where we've been and then what happens next with God's destiny for human beings. And so with that, we are cracking our knuckles, flexing our brains and staying focused on what keeps us on track, which is our commitment to stacking our understanding against the truly ancient Hebrew biblical foundation. So if you're up to the task, go ahead and give me a thumbs up and Ruby, give me the amen. And we will move forward. And we're there. Perfect. So over the next few weeks, we are continuing to track how the story of Jesus is fulfilling the story of all of humanity. And it seems like an easy task if you're a New Testament reader, because that's how you're introduced to the Bible. You're introduced with Jesus and told he fulfills all these things. And but what we're doing is we're going back to understand exactly what it is that he fulfilled. What does that even mean? Why was it such an important event to have Jesus come to save us from our sins? And so all of this starts with this conversation around what we call the new humanity. And so as you can see, um, this new humanity is, is a humanity that's not just human, as we had seen before, not just spiritual, as we understand sometimes, but to be both. It's that concept of actually being 
both spiritual and human. And so from what we read so far, we understand why it was so important that he came. No human before him was fulfilling the task. There are no humans before him that have met all of the criteria to be, to usher in the new humanity. And it's, it's something that we know as we're reading these scriptures, but it is interesting to see why we know that is the case. And this is a, this is a journey into the why. Why do we know that Jesus was the one to usher in the new humanity? So that's, that's where we are. And that journey has taken us 10 weeks so far. We're already on 10 weeks. And it just amazes me how fast time flies at this church. I feel like most series get done at a church and in three weeks, four weeks, people are tired of it. They move on. Here, 10 weeks, we're barely scratching the surface, we feel. <laughs> we spent 50, 51, 52 weeks almost, um, or at least 40, no, 40 something weeks in our previous series. We're on week 10 now, and still every week we get something new that we, we could have we never done on our own. So I'm excited about it. While you're off for two weeks, if you want to get caught up on any lessons that you've missed, that's the time to do it. So you can get them at nextmovementchurch.com. I have been monitoring the page and I've noticed that there's some gaps in what's getting posted. So I will make sure I go back and ensure that all the video replays for every part of this series are, is properly posted. So if you need to go back and listen or read anything, it'll be there for you while we're gone. All right, nextmovementchurch.com under the sermons tab. All right, so I think we're ready to get started. Um, here we are and let's just talk about last week. So last week, we were well on our way to understanding that second of the three critical biblical storylines. So does anyone remember what the name of the first storyline is? Cosmic storyline. There it is, Elaine. The, the cosmic storyline, right? So the cosmic storyline was the first storyline where we discussed um, why things are the way they are, how it all began, and why we, why we were in the need for a new humanity. So this is how God created humanity, what he intended them for, what the fall was, and then why we needed a new human to come and reset the picture for us. So now we are in the second of those storylines, and this is called the Israel storyline. So now this is a discussion on how Israel has emerged in the scriptures. And this emerging, we are, we are reading through characters that are a part of that emerging of Israel. And it's important for us to study this because oftentimes we only focus on the Israel storyline, but because we understand the cosmic storyline, we're able to put this in context and read it for what it truly is, which is a guide and a pathway showing us the lineage and the pathway that led us to Jesus and the new humanity. So before we get started on going back to where we were, any questions or comments from last week's message? Just throw it out there for a couple seconds. Uh, my only comment is, you know, during the week I've been thinking, have I ever in all the time been going to church? I, I can't remember ever hearing anyone mention that Abraham was, you know, the prophet. Like I'm thinking, did I ever hear that before? And I'm not so sure I did, actually. You're making a really good point because whenever we start the prophet conversation, the prophet conversation nearly always starts with Moses. Yes, and this is the thing I was, I'm wondering, have I heard it? Nope. <laughs> probably, and I come to the conclusion, I probably never did. <laughs> uh, you know what? I never did. And to see that the first time that the board, that it was mentioned 
was God saying it about this gentleman? God said he was a prophet. And so it's very, and, and it's funny because when we teach, when we do teach the continuity of the Old Testament, especially from the Hebrew perspective, we always talk about that baton being handed over from, from Moses and to Joshua. And that was like when the time of the prophets kind of start beginning, right? We, we get that, that sense there after Deuteronomy. And so when we're looking, so to hear that even before that, the first patriarch himself was considered a prophet for God. It's, it, it's a new, it's something new. It's something new, but something that's always been there. I, lo I love what you said there. Good point. Good point. Great. And, and so anybody else, anything else you want to add before we go forward? Michael's doing some reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> some reading. Oh, yeah. So, okay, we're going to move forward so that we can, um, we can chug through the rest of Abraham because I don't want to leave him hanging um, going into a break. I want to make sure that we wrap up what the challenges were with Abraham. So like I said, last week, we continued through our discussion. And I promise you, there'll be something else here this week, Elaine. That's just another Easter egg, breadcrumb, whatever highlight that will pop up. And I'm pretty sure it's something that we, that we really haven't paid too much attention to before. I, I promise you one more of those this week. So last week, we start. We were continuing that conversation on Abram, and we said that he was a contender for the title of, best, of what we call blessed paradox or Messiah. But um, and that blessed paradox conversation always starts with Genesis three verse fifteen, where God says to the serpent, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike." his heel, right? And so this is the conversation that ultimately this child that will come from this woman, that will come out of these human beings, there will be a, one that is born that he will attack, the serpent will attack, and it will look as if he's suffering defeat, but he's actually defeating evil at the source in a really unexpected way. And so the hunt now starts for the child, right? <laughs> Now we're in the hunt for the child, for the, for the Messiah, for who's coming that is in position to do this. And so now we're following the history of these people to see where this child turns up. So last week, we were midway through our discussion on the second contender for this honor. And so we, we spent time discussing who. Who's, who's our character for this week? Abraham, yes. Right, so Abraham. And so Abraham's story extends from Genesis 12 through Genesis 25, or the chapters that are most relevant to us. And so let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and just establish what God said to Abraham that made him a contender for the, for the title, if I call it that. And it reads, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. These are important terms. You know, this is an important promise. I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Very important. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And then he continues with that thought and says, I will bless those who bless you. Now, does that mean that Abraham necessarily has to be nice to them? 
for them to be blessed? No. No. The responsibility is on people that if they bless Abraham because of what God wants to do with him, he will bless those people that bless him, that bless Abraham. And whoever curses Abraham, regardless of what's happening with Abraham, he will curse them. Now, this is, this is really important because this says something about how God also sometimes views authority, that if he, if he places someone in a position to do a thing, having respect for the office is more important than the person. Because in this position, he's saying that if people bless Abraham, he will bless them. And if they curse Abraham, they will curse, he will curse them because he has a very particular responsibility to Abraham, not because he's awesome, but because of who he's bringing through him. So that's important to remember because I think it also cleans up some of the picture that happens when Abraham is not in his best self and still has the power to bless people. So here we go. It says, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, last week, Abraham's, we read Abraham's life and we were reading through and understanding how interesting his life was because he, he just brought drama with him. He carried drama with him. And so shortly after he's blessed in this manner by God, we start to see that this man is just another flawed human being. Just another one. A couple, couple verses down, we find, we find all the drama unraveling with Abraham. And so what we, with this same man who's blessed to bless the entire earth, we have two recorded instances where he betrays his wife and endangers her, of course, to save his own life. And so we, talk, we talked about those. We spoke about those in detail. But the first instance that we read of was in Genesis 12, verses 10 through 20. So does anyone remember the story of Abraham and Sarah in Egypt? Can anybody remember it well enough, what we discussed last week about them? Both of them? Um, the first time, when they went to Egypt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah? You want to talk about it? Yes. All right, talk about it. So tell us what happened, Abraham. What happened with Abraham and Sarah when they went to Egypt? Abraham was like, Abraham was like, you know what? If I, if I go to Egypt, because you are so beautiful, you're so amazing and beautiful and pretty, and y'all, uh, they're going to take yeah. you away from me and kill me, uh, and I don't want that. So you're going to act as my sister, because uh, you technically are. Uh, yeah. You're going to act as my right. sister, and so then when we go over there, I'll get all the lavishes and riches, and yeah, so they comply, and then disease falls upon Egypt. And, and God speaks to the Pharaoh, I'm assuming, mm -hmm. and he's like, you know what? Abram did this to you because he did not listen to you. Yeah. So, what have you done? I'm kicking you out, but you get to keep your servants. But I'm kicking you out. Me Goodbye. Too. See you. N never. Yep. <laughs> Don't come back. Very good. And so that's exactly good explanation. High five. It's true. And it's interesting because in, in Aja's rendition, it's like, hey, you brought disease on us. We are kicking you out, but we're going to let you keep your stuff. But you got to go. You can't stay here. <laughs> you can't stay here. So Abraham says, you cannot. So Pharaoh says, you can't live among us, but I will I will give you what you have. There's your nation. And take. So the nation begins, right? He already he already starts the makings of a, of a great nation off of other people's stuff. <laughs> okay. So it's interesting because this is again, the man who's to bring blessing to all the people of the earth. And he ended up bringing a curse of disease upon some of these people already, just in the first, in the first few verses down. 
And so this Pharaoh, again, not only sends him on his way, but he sent him with the wife and the possessions and the safety of his guard, and, and which is already amazing because he could have punished him for lying. And, but instead, what he does is he allows, he allows Abraham to go and be blessed when he leaves. So you think that Abraham would learn from this, right? This is the way that it should go. He should learn from this. Wow, I misjudged. It cost us. We could have been killed because of it. God still blessed us. Amen. Let's never do that again, right? Most of us logical brains would think like that. But that's not the case because Abraham is human. So as I said earlier, it's not the only time that he, he betrayed his wife. That is number one. Sarah also poor thing it goes through this another time in genesis chapter 20 which we read in detail last week and so in this incident we see abraham again could not resist the temptation of sin which is the qualifier in order to beat the serpent you have to be able to resist sin but he doesn't do this and we find this in the story in genesis 20 which is where we are introduced to abimelech so does anybody else want to talk about abimelech's story what happens with who can recap for us what happens with him and Abimelech. Well, basically, um, Abraham did the same thing again. Pass off his wife, Sarah, as his sister once again. But, you know, of course, God never go back on its word. So he intervened in the dream to Abimelech to tell him, you know, touch that woman. You will sure, you know, you're yep. as good as dead. You're as good as dead. You know, <laughs> so basically, we humans... We seem to somehow let history repeat itself. Basically, that's what happened. History repeats itself one more time with him. But it just goes to show us how faithful God is. Amen. Because he still used Abraham to bless the woman in, 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 in Abimelech kingdom out of barrenness. Yes. But Sarah also encountered barrenness for a while there yes so you know just goes to show you god is not a partial god no no he's not and you know it's such it's so important for us to mention that because she wow it because she had experienced barrenness and then was blessed with child and then they bring a curse of barrenness upon a different people which is which is so interesting and this is where like you said earlier elaine this is the chapter where god says to this this king abimelech who says god you can't curse us you can't wipe us out we didn't do anything we're innocent people and he says you're you get the chance to choose if you want to get wiped out because and he said but if you want if you want to be blessed i need you i need you to bless him because he's a prophet and he's gonna and he's going to release you from what's happening here and that goes to show like you said elaine that god is still faithful to what he said even though abraham is not faithful to what he was supposed to do that's so important that god still holds the position in regard the work in regard and not necessarily the person the work that they're assigned to in regard and i think that that says a lot about why you why you've seen great leaders fall too is because there are if god calls a person to something and he wants them to to go forward you know sometimes he's still able to do even great things with those leaders when they tarnish themselves and you're like, well, God, why wouldn't you just strip that thing? It's because I really had a thing for them to do. I can move it, but sometimes he's still waiting on us to get caught up. Doesn't mean we don't tarnish our reputation in the process, but he gives gifts without repentance. He does give them without repentance. And he gives a gift, he gives it. 
And so, and he is faithful to his word. And remember, he had said chapters before that he was never going to destroy the earth again on account of people. People individually are going to curse themselves. <laughs> okay, he will deal with them individually now. He's no longer taking out the world because of human beings. So Abraham is proving over and over again that God is faithful and that his word is more important than his name at this point. He will make sure it's, it's fulfilled. Whenever he says a thing, it will be done. He cannot lie. So, so again, Abraham does the same thing to Abimelech that he does to the Pharaoh. And Yahweh himself has to intervene to, make, to correct the course. And this gives Abimelech the choice, to, uh, choice of blessings or cursing. And Abimelech chose wisely. And his whole household was blessed because of it. And there's so much more to the passage that can be said. Um, you know, Abimelech shows Abraham again this kindness of a prince. Like, like the Pharaoh did, kindness of the prince. And he turns, and in turn, he receives the blessing to conceive. And so it's funny because Abraham had that difficulty in that same area. As I said before, he's had the same issue of conceiving because without conceiving, there's no nation. There's no nation that can come about. And so that brings us to our next story in this journey of Abraham and it's actually a few, we're going back a few chapters to recover this other incident because this is an incident where not only Abraham offends, but Sarah offends too. Both of them are very offensive. So we start with one situation where Abraham offends his wife. Then we have an incident where they're both offensive. And then we have an incident where he offends his wife again. Great marriage, huh? Nobody tell me you want a marriage like Abraham. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear this. Not the model. Not the model here. So here we go. So there's this offense. And I guess, and I do stress and Sarah. And you're going to see where that lands. Because it is very important to see how both of them become offensive. And how God has to intervene again to right the wrong. And to, to right the wrong on the innocent in the picture. And it's complicated because people are complicated, aren't they? It's not usually, when you, when you hear a situation where there's a scuffle or where there's a, there's a falling out or a difficulty between people, it's very rare that one person is completely right and the other person is completely wrong. There is always some overlap in there. Somebody could have did this better, that better, this differently, that differently. And we're gonna see those dynamics because these are real people. Everybody's got sin, everybody's got anger, everybody's got um, pride. There's a lot of things that play into the picture, but ultimately the, the weight of the responsibility of this one will land with Abraham and Sarah. So I'm gonna ask you to follow me um, into Genesis chapter 16. So we're going back a little further. We're going to Genesis chapter 16, and we are gonna read this account where Abraham and Sarah, in their frustrations with one another, end up oppressing other people. Great, like I said, don't let me hear you say that you want a marriage like Abraham. I don't want <laughs> So here we go. It says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, so clearly before the transformation, right? Um, so now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But what do we know about her? She is what? Beautiful, right? We have at least that established. Everywhere that she's gone, she's clearly the most beautiful woman in the land. Why? He's terrified every time he goes somewhere. So, so remember this. Abraham's wife bore him no children but she had an egyptian slave named hagar where did they just come from egypt, egypt. 
Egypt, right? So this slave came with them, probably when Pharaoh said, time, you gotta go. Okay? So she was with them in that context. So she had, so Sarah had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. It was whose slave? Sarah. Sarah. Sarah's. Was she Abraham's slave? No. No. She was assigned to Sarah. She was Sarah's responsibility. Okay. So she said to Abraham, Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Notice she notifies them that she believes the Lord is keeping her from this, that this is not God, clearly not God's plan for her. She said, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. This is important because we know that Abraham, God told Abraham that he was going to be a nation, right? Mm -hmm. Nations are built through having children. You have to have more, more people. You have to multiply in the earth. She says, I think we have a problem here. Somehow I'm not, I'm not able to have children. God is keeping me from this. So here's my solution. I'm going to give you my slave. And we're going to, and we can, we can try that instead. Okay. Very important. So she comes up with a plan to execute on God's plan. And Abraham agrees to what Sarai says, right? So they, she gives them the plan of what she thinks needs to happen. He agrees to it and they move forward. So here's where this gets interesting for me. She says, I'm going to give you my slave so you can, so we can have children and move forward. After this, verse three. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, which is funny that they're in back in Canaan, because remember, that's where the promised land was supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, we talked about wandering the Negev and all this stuff, but they're in Canaan now, Gaza. which is where they were supposed to be to begin with. But back in Canaan, so they've been living in Canaan 10 years. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his what? Wife. 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 Right. stop there pause for a moment so who is hagar now to abraham a wife a wife, wife. Mm -hmm. not a concubine a wife funny how i didn't know she was a wife before i told now. you i would give you something else this uh, week me neither <laughs> I, I didn't get that. maybe i not give you something else this week no 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 funny how in all my life i thought she was a concubine <laughs> So let's just let that sit for a second. Nice. She was Sarah's servant. Mm -hmm. And they said, look, we need to have kids here. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give her to you. But they give her as a wife. Cause there's a legitimacy that takes place there with that child when, they're, when she's a wife, right? This is important. So who, so who recognized this before that Hagar was a wife? I don't think I recognized it till I started working on this series. I don't know. Never heard that. Okay. So we've read it here. So this is important because if she's a wife, she has a new status. She has new privileges, doesn't she? Yep. No longer a slave. Thank you. No longer a slave. She is a wife. And so remember, because it makes a difference or even this even just complicates 
how you read the next few lines of scripture because she's went from slave servant to wife to execute on this. So verse four. A sister wife. She's a sister wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. He sleeps with Hagar and she conceives. So now she becomes pregnant, but she is a wife, you know. But when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Oh yeah. Act up. Okay, now she's now she's having an attitude. Now she's jealous. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's beginning to have attitude with Sarah now because now she's pregnant. So here we go. Verse four. Then now let's look at verse five. It's then Sarah, she clearly is uncomfortable, and says to Abram, You're responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave into your arms, really. I put my slave into your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. <laughs> wow. So she's upbraiding him. That used to be the word. She's upbraiding her husband right now. Upbraiding. And so we're going to hold the phone again right here. Let's hold the phone. Because she says here, I put my slave into your arms, and now she despises me. Interesting comment. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So let's understand the thing. Can we all agree that Hagar did not ask for this? That's right. She didn't. She, there's nowhere in the scripture where we read that she asked to be placed in this situation. No. But Sarah suggests that, that she was the one that actually suggested that this happened. She's the one that, that put her in it, handed her over. And she, so she suggests it. And she suggests it because she does not trust God's wisdom and timing, clearly. She makes her own assessment on how to execute God's plan without God. Is this not a nod to Adam and Eve's story in the garden again? Yep. Do we, have we not read this before? We have. There's mm -hmm. a temptation there that there's something more I can't execute it, right? So she like, she like Eve is deceived into believing that God has not said all to them or has not given all to them that they need to fulfill his plan in the earth. He says, You're gonna, I'm gonna make you a great nation, but I can't get pregnant. So how's that gonna happen? You know what, I got an idea. Boy, I'm telling you. We, but we can, we can find ourselves in all of this too. But take a look at what's happening with her. She says, I don't know how God's going to do that. So I have a plan. So she took the solution into her own hands. Just like Eve did. She shares it with her husband and he takes it too. Even though God spoke to Abram. <laughs> Here we go again. God spoke to Abram, told him what he was going to do. Wife grew impatient, find, takes her, the solution into her own hands, and then Abraham jumps on board. We saw this with Adam and Eve. God spoke to Abram, to, to Adam, and told him, "This is what I'm going to do." What happens to Eve? Same thing. She falls into temptation that there's something else she can take, right? Because remember, they took Hagar. But, it, but that's what happened to Eve. Eve took the fruit 
and she, cause she saw that it was good to get these things done. And then she shares it with her husband and he also ate. And so we're here in a situation where another couple also does the same thing. Abram, Sarah, Sarah presents the situation and he also eats. So here we are, the garden all over again. That's, this is at least the third time that we've read the garden all over again, isn't it? Second to third, we saw this with Noah, right? We see this with Noah, we see this with them now. Just, just impressive how the Bible is so consistent. When you read it, it's so consistent all the way through. You can see the same pieces. So again, she took the solution into her own hands. And unfortunately, this decision for her had unintended consequences. She couldn't see all the consequences when she made this decision. So, and here are some of them, like for Hagar. Now let's talk about Hagar for a second. Let's talk about Hagar. So we see that Sarah and Abraham make a bad choice, right? They decide that they're gonna take God's plan into their own hands. We see this clearly. But let's talk about Hagar for a second. Hagar, if, if she was being presented as the solution to them building this nation, it doesn't take much for that to go to someone's head. You have this beautiful wife and you have this promise from God, but you need me to fulfill the promise of God. I might be more special than her. Maybe I'm more special than that wife. All of a sudden, Agar have the upper hand. <laughs> yes, they gave her the upper hand, whether they like it or not, they did. So for Hagar, it may have set her up to think she's better than Sarah because she's the one that came to usher in the promise, God's promise into the world. Yep. Put her in a position to believe that. So why was she despised? It wasn't, she just wasn't despised just because I got your man and you don't have a man. No, you put me in a, they put her in a position where she's being positioned to, to fulfill the promise of God in the world. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I am better than you. You're probably not as chosen. You're probably not chosen. You couldn't fulfill, right? So you can see where the where the pride begins to bubble for, for Hagar. But they put her in a position to get a big head. It's complicated, isn't it? People are so complicated. But we can see where we can start filling in what we're seeing based on what's being said here. So remember, Sarah was beautiful. Beautiful. We, are fall, we have nations falling for Sarah. But I'm sure Abraham would treat this new pregnant wife with great care. Mm -hmm. Sarah's always been the center of his universe, but I'm pretty sure he's going to treat this new pregnant wife with great care. So what do we end up with in all of that? Sarah assesses the situation. She blames Abram for Hagar's offenses, Hagar, Hagar's attitude towards her now, because Hagar's probably like, look, what, Hagar probably has an attitude for sure. She's like, look, don't talk to me like that. 
I'm a wife and I'm pregnant. Like she's gonna, she's having an attitude with her. Mm -hmm. And we can see where that now comes from. But you know, Hagar this way. <laughs> yes. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> so she she, you know, she's in a new world, new lifestyle now. And she's having an attitude. She's got the big head. She's, you know, she's arrogant now. Having so, a baby can't. Yes, having a baby, you can't. So I don't need to do that. Why don't you do it? <laughs> what do you do for yourself? You know, I can I can only imagine what kind of arrogance grow grew in Hagar at this point. She grew arrogant. And so Hagar has probably got a bit arrogant because she may have felt that she was more favored by heaven and maybe likely to be more beloved by Abraham because she's able to have this baby. So she's no longer submitting. But she's, That's but she's not a slave now. She's a wife. Like, why do I need to do this job? Why do I need to do this stuff anymore? Why? Why? Great about it. I'm special now. What are you saying? Go ahead, Monica. So I can't control Hagar anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, her attitude it's is there. Nope. Go ahead, Monica. You had your hand up. Oh, you're on mute. Hagar is pregnant, so she's probably tired. She can't be doing all that work. She's tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she's a wife. But That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she's a wife. But what I, you know, I, I thought two ways, and I'm not sure about them now that you, you said one of the ways why she was mad or, you know, she despised Saray. The other reason the, I, that I thought she may have dis, despised Saray was because, okay, she started out being Sarai's slave, right? Mm -hmm. Now, who's to say that she even liked Abram? Exactly. She had no, I mean, okay, Saray says, okay, you my slave, but now I'm going to make you marry or be the wife of my husband, mm -hmm. you know? And so I don't, I don't know which way is correct, but I always, I thought those two ways because like, she like, I don't want to be his wife. Now you're making me be his wife. You're making me sleep with him. Now I got to have this dude's baby and I don't even like him. <laughs> You know, she didn't choose it. She didn't choose. Good point. You know, and I know point. they didn't have a choice. <clears throat> Women didn't have a choice, but when Hagar was <clears throat> the slave of Saray, I thought maybe they had some kind of bond. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now the bond is broke because you didn't realize I didn't like your husband in the first place. I, it, you can see all the things that we never think about that go into this. We just look at it and go, oh, well, you know, she came in and blah, blah, blah. And now she's mad. No, there's a, there's a lot. There, there's, she probably has a, some reason to be mad. <laughs> Don't you think? I, heard, I think she might have had a lot of reasons. I heard that a slave 
and those days meant that they just owed something like yep they had a debt and they had to pay off so they work and pay it off yep yes it wasn't, it wasn't the same as, as like we could, like i say antebellum slavery in the united states where mm -hmm. there were you could it was I don't, I hate to mis, misspeak and call it a, a profession, but there, the agreements were very different and there were ways to be released of those agreements. Unless you were a person that was captured in let's say um, war and then they bring them around. But there's, mm -hmm. there were other systems in place where those people could be freed, those people could leave, those people, you know, other things that took place that were very different. And, but it's interesting because again, these are folks that came, these servants came with them from Egypt mm -hmm. to them in a circumstance that, was, that wasn't already great. <laughs> and then we're going to put her in a position where she doesn't get a choice. She's like, I am made now. And now, but she wasn't, even some translations in the Bible argue about the, about the words, but because they, people struggle and say, isn't she just a concubine? It's like, no, no, no. The word here used is wife. It's, mm -hmm. it's wife. It's wife. And in more than one instance, it's wife. So we have to think about all the complexity that comes with that, because it's not just do this and this is your job. She's, she's, she's also putting up with the fact that, hey, I've got, you guys aren't respecting my, my privileges either. And so I don't like you, I don't like you, and that's too bad. <laughs> I'm not happy right now and everybody's gonna know it. I don't wanna talk to you, I don't wanna talk to you. It's like, yeah, I said it, I don't care. So her attitude, um, so, like there's a there's a TikTok um, video out right now where this where they show this employee they they, they blame millennials for this but it's not fair they said this employee gets called into an office by their boss and there is a let a note that they sent out to senior management and in the senior management letter they're reading it back to this employee and this play this employee is just kind of on the whatever whatever it's like yes don't call me on my off day I am not I am not Kim Possible. Don't do this, do that. You, you guys asked me to do this. I only do the bare minimum because you only pay the bare minimum. Like, you know, and she's, and this, and when they're done reading this whole letter that this person sends off to the senior management, she says, okay, so what else? And they said, well, she said, well, what else? I said it, I wrote it, I meant it. What else? I mean, what do you want me to do? That's what I said, I meant that. There was no, there was no remorse there because that's how she felt. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, and so it's that, we're dealing with all of the conflicting feelings, the rights, the wrongs, and there's a lot that takes place in the middle. And it's important to understand how messy that is because we're dealing with people. People are messy. And so, and then at some point, God has to intervene in the picture. We're not there yet. We're almost there. But let's read to see what happens with God and how God judges the situation. Because remember, he's got enough of responsibility to get this new humanity out through Abraham's lineage but there's also some other things that God has to do in the middle in order to right the wrongs that took place here because they have oppressed her at this point. She's being oppressed. I mean, she was a slave. She got told to marry this man, have this child. Now I'm, I'm acting like I, like I probably really am. <laughs> and now you're going to have an issue with me. And it gets worse. The situation gets worse. So let, let's read what happens here. Deeper look. Verse five. It says then, but in verse, okay, in verse five here, we, as we read, you know, she takes, as she's upbraiding her husband, as she's, as she's, you know, reading, reading him the right act, she's, 
she says in there, may the Lord judge between you and me. Now, this is something she says out of emotion for sure. Because when you understand what she's saying, you understand that this is an unreasonable statement. Totally unreasonable for her to say this. Because in her jealousy, because this is jealousy, in her jealousy, she calls on God to justify her. Mm -hmm. Because she believes her husband's no longer defending her in the situation. Now, this is unreasonable. Why is it unreasonable? But let me, let me address this. This, her saying this is a reproof to Abraham, okay? She's saying it contains this insinuation that it's her fault, it's his fault that she herself cannot be a mother. It's his fault. And now he's carrying himself more affectionately to Hagar than he did her. That's what she's saying. And it results in a, this slave becoming rude in her speech and behavior towards her. And she's not happy about this. And so Abraham is trying to quiet the situation down. So you know what he does? To remove suspicion of any kind, he, Abraham delivers up Hagar back into her hands. Same, same. Oh. Yeah, he's like, look, I don't, I can't afford for you to have to, to keep saying this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give her back to you. So remember, she went from being his, being her slave to being his wife. And now he's like, I'm trying to prevent all of this uneasiness and jealousy and I can't take it anymore. So I'm giving her back to you. Take her back. Okay. Hopefully this shuts the whole thing down. Let's just end it there. Right? So verse six. Your slave is in your hands. He said, look, take her back. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You can, you can have her. And Abraham said, do with her whatever you think is best. He's like, I'm over it. Do whatever you want to do. So what happens? It says, then Sarai mistreats Hagar. And she floods, she runs from her. She took it out on her, okay? So let's be, so when we see that she runs from her, when you say that Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. And let's be honest, who wouldn't have fled? Right. Who would have stayed under those circumstances? Nobody. No. I just went from being to serving you. You clearly liked me enough. And thought I was I was the right person to help you execute on an ill-planned move. You sent me to be a wife. And now you're jealous of what you sent me to do. And so now I'm sent back to you, and now you're mistreating me. Nowhere here do we see that there is a baby born yet, is there? No. no. This is a miss, this is a pregnant woman. She's mistreating her. They weren't very nice. They weren't, they weren't good to her. In their, in their own issue, they mistreat somebody else. And, I mean, she was a legal wife, but because of this jealousy, she was demoted back to servanthood. 
and Sarah can do whatever she wanted with her. So she oppresses her. She becomes oppressive. And Hagar, but let's be real, Hagar's not without fault, right, in the situation. I said it's messy. So Hagar's not without fault. She did probably think too highly of herself at one point. She probably thought that she was replacing Sarah at some point. There could have been that. You know, it's like, well, what do you need her for then? Yeah, mm -hmm. kids, what do you need her for? So she, you know, she may have even got to the place where she thought she was replacing her. But here we are, Sarah's being revengeful. And that is never acceptable behavior. Never acceptable behavior. She became a wicked overseer to Hagar. She became oppressive. So, all right. So we, we feel any comments on that before we go to the next half of this, this, the scripture passage. Go ahead, Monica. Yeah. You know, and Saray may have, you know, when she became a slave and she had X number of days, months, years to fulfill, you mm -hmm. know, what she had so she could be released from slavery. You know, nobody even knows that when Saray started to mistreat Hagar at, while she was pregnant, she might have said, well, you got to start the slavery number all over again. Who knows, right? You know, you never know. Yeah. And, or she could have said, you're going to be my slave forever and your child will be my child. You know? Yeah. You just don't well, know. There's so much that you don't know. And, you know, we really just get the highlights, but, you know, you, you wonder how she mistreated her, but you, we do know that it was really bad because she fled. Yes. You know, bad enough for her to say, I got to go. But um, what it shows here too, though, is <clears throat> Abraham not taking any consideration with the whole process mm -hmm. because he understood that it was his wife Sarai that handed over her slave to him and we are not gonna well it could be against her will too we are not sure we're not 100% right. sure about that and now out of jealousy you don't correct your wife you hands her you hand her back over to her the wicked mm -hmm. queen you know the wicked queen <laughs> <laughs> hands her back over to the the wicked queen and, and and then you you just wash your hands clean off the situation as if you are not involved like if you're going to talk about building nations and she's leaving how will you do it have you thought about that mm -hmm. yep well, if we learned anything about Abram before he was Abraham, mm -hmm. he just does this kind of stuff time and time again. <laughs> oh, and we're waiting, and we're waiting for the Lord to clean it up because he's supposed to be a prophet. Mm -hmm. Oh, Lord! You Always know? handed off his wives. Always. Yeah. I mean, a, a wife doesn't mean very much to him, of course. You can tell that, but. Right. He just he just keeps messing up. Yeah, I mean he's he's passed his wife off before already. I mean, to some degree, maybe he felt like you know, I can't. He still he still has his own guilt for what he did to her before. 
So now she's being accused and she's like, may the Lord judge between me and thee. She could have been thinking about everything that's taking place with them. Mm -hmm. And you, I'm sure we've all been been in a position where there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. And even though she's not completely right in the argument with him, she's probably going from all the things that have taken place. And this was a situation where I'm done with you. I'm done with right. you. I need God to judge between me and you because you're not right. But she's not right either. No. And like I said, rarely is anybody <laughs> in these situations. There's always, you might get an 80-20 split where you're, you're, there's, you know, 80%, you're 80% right, you got 20% of the things you did wrong and vice versa. And where the person's 80% wrong and 20% of the things that they did right. It's never usually perfect. So, but, and relationships are messy. And this just goes to show that the Bible even acknowledges how messy relationships can be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that that's comforting in itself that human relationships are messy and the Bible talks about that. Very messy, very messy. And so, but so look at what happens here though. She flees and then look at what happens next. Very interesting. The angel of the Lord. Now, this Aww. is the first appearance we get of the angel of the Lord in the Bible now. Yeah. We're still in Genesis, aren't we? Yep. Early Genesis. We're not even at Red Sea or nothing. Mm-hmm. We're not even close to that. There's no, there's no lineage born yet. But it says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar, the Egyptian slave. So important. In the desert. Found Hagar. It near a spring in the desert. And it was the spring that was beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? Where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. She's answered, probably tears in her eyes. And then the angel of the Lord told her, go back. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. And because remember, God that can't go against his word. He's like, anybody that blesses them, I bless. And anybody that curses them, I have to curse, right? So he's telling her how to stay on the good side of this fence. He says, go back and submit to her. He said, the angel, and then the angel added, because that probably seemed super unreasonable to her when he said it. But the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. This sounds a lot like what he told Abraham, huh? What God told Abraham already. Mm -hmm. There's a promise being given here. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. That sounds like a nation to me. And then verse 11 says, the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. This is important, so she's getting her own promise from God, and he will be a wild donkey of a man, so he's going to be, so this is important to remember that, he's going to be a wild donkey of a man, what does that mean to you, what does somebody that's a wild donkey look like or act like? Act crazy, too much. Crazy, yeah. stubborn. stubborn, crazy, aggressive, right? All He's going to be a wild donkey of a man. And his hand will be against everyone. And everyone's hand against him. So he's always going to be in conflict. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's born in conflict, and he's going to always be in conflict. And he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. Hear this, because this starts early. But he will be in hostility towards all his brothers. And so she gave him the name. The Lord spoke to her. You are the one who sees me. And so that's what she's saying. You're the one who sees me. For he, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So she has an encounter with God. And that's why she returns because she, because God has spoke to her and she's going to follow what God says. And that is why the well is called Ber Lahai Rohai Roi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Okay. So this, and then that's read 15. So Hagar bore Abraham a son and Abraham gave him the name Ishmael to the son that she had born. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So, so she returns, not because of them, but because of what God tells her. Mm-hmm. It's the myths, not because of them, but because of what God tells her. Learn something from Hagar today. Sometimes the thing that God is asking you to do seems unreasonable because the people in the situation are unreasonable. And you're like, God, just justify me. That doesn't make sense. Why would you let me make me have to sit under that kind of wickedness or tyranny or foolishness? But he says, I have a plan for you. It's not even about them. It's what I want to get done through you. I have something for you. So go back because you cannot control their actions, but you control your own. So your ability to be obedient and, and, and kind and and servant-hearted has nothing to do with them being worthy of it. And that's a tough one to swallow, that sometimes what we're asking, being asked to do is for people who don't deserve it, but it's not for them. Always remember, as he told her, it's not for them, it's for him. And so in this chapter, we read how Abram and Sarah oppressed this Egyptian slave and they put her in this position to be wife, surrogate mother, since they had no children, but they also took out their insecurities on her. And there is no way. And so what we see is that they no longer can contend for that, for that, for that title. We already saw that in the last chapters, but again, reinforcing that people who lead with oppression cannot be called to lead the new humanity. There's no way. God doesn't lead his kingdom that way. And so they can never be the ones that God is, is going to use. They're not it. Abraham's not it. God does not lead with oppression. And so, let me see, what time is it? Okay, I'm gonna take a couple minutes because I did want to, I do need to close up what happens with him. So if you've got me, you've got five more minutes for me, then please stick around because I wanna, I wanna show you something before we leave. So she, she bears a child. He's 86 years old when Hagar bears Ishmael. But remember, what did we say was gonna, this boy was gonna be like? What would happen to him? Like a rolling calf. Like a rolling calf, yes. He's gonna be like a wild donkey of a man. What else did God say about him? He will always be- In conflict with people. Conflict with people and again with his own what? Brothers, Uh right? So with his family and with people around him, he's always gonna be in conflict, right? Okay. Let me fast forward really quickly to Genesis 21. And because I don't think, I don't think I'm going to, okay, here's your second Easter egg for today, Elaine, I promise you. I don't think anybody's 
taken a lot of time. Most people don't take a lot of time or haven't had a reason to take a lot of time to see how that prophecy connects to what actually happens with the boy. So in chapter 21, let's read it. Let's read it quickly. It says, now that the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised, right? So Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. So she ends up getting pregnant at some point. And at the very time, God had promised him. So God did everything on time. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Okay, doing everything that they should. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Important. So he's 100 when Isaac is born. We know that. And we said, how old was Ishmael, Was Abraham when Ishmael was born? 87. Good. We need that. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. In this day, they probably would laugh at you. And <laughs> she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And hers too, apparently. And the child grew and was weaned. And on the day that Isaac was weaned, which in this term, in this term is probably about him being three years old for them. So the child grew and was weaned. On the, on the day that Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. Okay, so now he can actually eat food anyway. This is good. But Sarah saw that the son who Hagar, the Egyptian, had born, Abraham, was mocking, was mocking. And she said to Abram, well, you know what, let me stop right there for a second. Sarah said, saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham was mocking. Here's a quick comment for you. Ishmael, we count then, is about 14 years older than Isaac. Right, we said 86, 100 years old, about 14, right? 13, 14 years older. So when the children were together, when kids are together, if you got an older sibling, you got a kid that's 14, you got a kid, you got a kid that's that's three, something like that. Um, or, or a little older than that, 14 years apart. You would expect that the older child would take care of the younger kid, right? But and be and be careful with the younger child. Treat that they they should be able to babysit that child at that point. But what's being argued here is that Ishmael was being really rough and mean and maybe even potentially abusive to this kid who was clearly no match for him. So, okay, he's being aggressive with him. Really aggressive is what they're seeing here. And so what did we say? What did we read about Ishmael, about how he would be? Aggressive, wild donkey. Yes, he was gonna be a wild donkey of a man and he would always be in conflict with who? His brothers. With his brothers. Uh-huh. So, and we're seeing evidence of this even at a young age. Uh-huh. Okay, that there's, that there's gonna be conflict here. He's, he's fulfilling his destiny <laughs> in some ways, right? So that's something to, to connect because I don't think we talk about that bridge a lot enough. That we're already seeing this in Ishmael from here, that this is, this is who he's gonna be. And so what happens is that, the, is that it distresses, she said to Abraham, Get rid of the, now she's, now she's, now she's, clearly there was an argument here because this is, 
at the feast now. Now, now she's upper hand wife, I guess. And she says, get rid of that slave woman and her son. Family drama. Okay, here she goes. She's breaking down. Get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share the inheritance with my son Isaac, right? Huh? I don't know who she thinks she is, but her and her kids are never have anything from here kind of thing. So she, she gives it to him, lets them know who's the who's first wife. Okay. <laughs> remember, she was there were she's she calls her the slave woman and her son, because remember, she demotes her, she's demoted back down to, to Sarah. So then again, oppression. And so the matter distressed, now it distressed Abraham because it concerned his son. But he has two sons. Uh-huh. But God said to him, don't be so distressed about the boy. So he's actually stressed about Ishmael going because he's had him for oh, 14 plus years. He's raised the son, right? So now he's actually taking some kind of ownership there. And he says, but God has to tell him, don't be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. This is important. This is important because then he says, I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he's your offspring. This is the first time that Abraham's hearing this, right? Mm -hmm. Well, who knew this already? Hagar. Hagar. Hagar knew that, yeah. Hagar knew this before this child was born. Mm -hmm. She knew that that was the case. They're in the middle of the situation, but God had made a promise to her. But God had to tell him, hey, I already took care of this. Yes, the situation is bad, but I got to remind you, this is the way it was supposed to go from the beginning. This is the child that, that you're supposed to have and make this happen. Don't worry, I will make sure that these ones are fine. Even in the mess, God still makes blesses in the process because he's committed to what he has for Abraham to do and not who Abraham and Sarah are. So again, I know we're short on time, but we're pretty much ready to, to go. But let's make note that this, they not only oppress this young slave, they eventually exile her and her son to die in the wilderness at this point. This is a nice statement, but if we keep reading, we see that they get exiled into the wilderness to die. And God, but on, although God is committed to bringing his plan together through Abraham, he still has mercy on those innocent lives that they ruin in the process. Because they have ruined them. They packed them up with some food and said, be on your way and find somewhere else to go after all of this. But interestingly enough, we not only learned that Abraham, we learned that not only Abraham, but Ishmael at a young age, we could see that Ishmael was already showing traits that could never make him the Messiah that we're searching for. In this one instance, we could see that he has traits that can never make him the Messiah. And what are those traits? What are we seeing in Ishmael already? He's already mocking the, the young lad, not yes. taking care of him. So he's already <laughs> showing aggressive, oppressive behavior. So he's already out before he starts. <laughs> 
So in a story where we read about Abraham and we're showing all the things, in their attempt to fulfill God's plan without him, they produce an heir that cannot be the heir we're looking for anyway. Because he doesn't have the temperament to do so. So many failures here. I love this. Interesting story. All we're watching is failure after failure, aren't we? There's hope. Anyway, I think this is a good place for us to stop today. Um, good place for us to stop today. Hopefully you got some answers and learned, learned a few new things um, good. after today. But we'll continue on this discussion on Israel's storyline when we get back in two Sundays, right? So on the 17th. But we'll find a new character to explore about this blessed paradox. But for now, let's put some reflection questions on the screen. We'll see you back for the benediction. And I'm looking forward to your questions afterward. See you soon.
Thank you so much for joining us again today at Next Movement Church, um, where we're here to help you find your position in God's purpose and learn some stuff along the way. So we pray that today was insightful, informative, um, that you have something to chew on and think about over the next um, couple weeks. Again, if you're looking for a replay, you can always find it at nextmovementchurch.com on our website under the sermons tab. But before we go, let's go ahead and say a word of benediction upon you so that we know that you're blessed and covered and um and that you know that you're, we're praying for you everywhere that you are. So let's say it together today for the promises of God, Father, yes in him. And that is why it is through him that we utter our what church? Amen. amen. To God for his glory and the whole church say, amen. Amen. Well, thank, again, thank you again for joining us today. Looking forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks. Please have a happy and safe holiday while we are away from one another. And we look forward to 
tackling this a little further. All right. So we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Everyone say bye to Facebook. Bye, bye Facebook. Bye, Facebook. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.